All right, if you have your Bible, flip to Acts chapter 10. We're continuing our series in the book of Acts, and this is actually a part two of last week's message. So its title is Go and Tell, Barriers Have Been Broken, part two. And usually in movies, the, the sequel is not as good as the, the first one. I, I hope this would be the opposite. I think momentum is building in this passage. So this would be one of the rare exceptions where the sequel might be even more encouraging than the first one. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little test. I'm going to show you a picture of a person. And the first thing I want you to do is tell me who that person is. We're going to look at six people. So if you know who that is, I know one person in this room who knows who that is. Maybe two. They might be roommates. Anybody know who that is? Is Nick Buckshaw in this room. There you are, Nick. You might not recognize him. You got it. KB. I'll tell you a little bit more about KB in a moment. Okay, second one. I know there's some people who know who this is. I heard Brian Welch, and what, 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 what's he famous for? Guitar, an incredible guitar player for the band Korn. Guys are doing good so far. Gets a little easier. Gabby Douglas, if I heard that. She's obviously a gymnast. Next. John Piper. Next. There's actually, oh yeah, go ahead. Does anybody know who she is? A number of you have read books by her. Rosaria Butterfield. Tell you more about her in a moment. Next. Alice Cooper from the band Kiss. And I don't know if anybody will know who this What did I say wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's he in? <laughs> Nothing. He's a, he's a man by himself. <laughs> I was a 90s guy, not an 80s guy. So my 80s information is really bad. <laughs> Wasn't a fan, you know. But hey. Okay, and last one, we have one more. Oh, her name's on there. <laughs> if you get that one wrong, Hillary Jane. Okay, so take those down. What do all those people have in common? What do you think? What do they have in common? They're human beings. Any other guests? Sunday morning, we have a Bible open, we're in church. They are all born-again Christians. They all have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. KB is a Christian rapper. Brian Welch guitarist from Corn came to Christ and is a born-again Christian, loves Jesus. Gabby Douglas is also a born-again Christian who loves Jesus. John Piper is a Baptist-raised Baptist pastor who loves Jesus. Alice Cooper is not who I thought he was, but he's a famous singer who is a born-again Christian and loves Jesus. Rosario Butterfield was actually um, a lesbian English professor at the Syracuse University and encountered Christ, and her life was transformed. And she is one of my favorite authors and speakers. So if you've never heard her teach, check out Rosario Butterfield. Read her book um, that is just basically her testimony of how she encountered Christ. And Hillary Jane, saw her name up there, is obviously a Christian. Can you put Brian Welch's picture back up one more time, Brian? So when you look at him, just be honest, you don't have to say it out loud. But were you thinking, this man is a temple of the Holy Spirit? This man 
is the dwelling place of God, is that, was that your first thought? Probably not, if we're honest. Probably if I didn't know about him, I, it might not have been my first thought as well. But, but Brian here has the Holy Spirit dwelling in him, just like the Old Testament had the Holy Spirit dwelling in the, the temple, in the tabernacle. In the New Testament, God dwells with people. All kinds and sorts of people, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So keep that image in your mind. You can take it down. You can watch interviews of his testimony, how he came to Christ. Uh, he's been interviewed a number of times and uh, is the real deal for sure. So we're going to look at Acts 10, and uh, starting at verse 44, and we're going to work our way through um, Acts 11, verse 18, two very simple points, and they are this. The Holy Spirit dwells in everyone and anyone who trusts in Jesus. I want you to get this loud and clear. This is a simple but profound point. The Holy Spirit dwells in everyone and anyone who trusts in Jesus. And the second point related, the good news of Jesus is to be offered to all without distinction. The good news of Jesus is to be offered to all without distinction. First point, the Holy Spirit dwells in everyone and anyone who trusts in Jesus. Look at Acts 10, verse 44. This is picking up on a lot of stuff we talked about last week. If you weren't here, no problem. We'll get you caught up in a moment. Uh, verse 44, while Peter was staying, still saying these things, he's preaching at a guy's house named Cornelius. The Holy Spirit fell one on all who heard the word. So he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls. It sh he shows up in power. And the believers from among the circumcised Jewish Christians who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So, here's the, the short of it. If you're, you're a college student, this is not an advertisement. This is like the Spark Notes version of what's happening. It's Cliff Notes modern day, if you don't know what Spark Notes are. Um, present day Cliff Notes. Not an endorsement, but sometimes you get in a jam and you have to fast forward. So, so here, here's what happened. The, the summary. There was a man named Cornelius, a non-Christian soldier who was in charge of 100 men. He feared the Lord, but he didn't know Jesus, and he didn't understand the gospel yet. And he is praying, seeking God, and an angel shows up and speaks to him. And the angel says, um, go summon this guy, Peter, that's 30, 30 miles south of where you are. He's an apostle. Go get him and have him come up and talk to you. While, while that's happening, the soldier sends some men down to get him. While that's happening, Peter is hungry. He goes into a trance, has a vision of this big white sheet with all these animals that Jewish people were not allowed to eat, and he hears the Lord speak to him three times, rise and eat. And at first, Peter's like, I, I can't do that. That is against everything I was raised to believe and to think about. And so he had a strong aversion to it, but he knew it was from the Lord, and the Lord said what I have called clean, you don't call unclean. And, and then Peter knew that he's talking about more than just food. He was talking about Gentiles, non-Jewish people. 
So after this vision, there's a knock on the door, and the people from Cornelius' house come and get Peter, and then Peter has him stay at his house, and then they eventually make the 30-mile trip back to Peter's house, and that's where verse 44 gets, where we land, and Peter is preaching the gospel, and the Holy Spirit shows up in power. There's visible demonstration. They're speaking a language they do not know. They're worshiping the Lord. And Peter's friends, we learn later, there was six of them plus Peter. So it was like a complete number of eyewitnesses. All seven of them were amazed that the gospel had come to the Gentiles. So that's the summary. That's that's where we're at. Now I want to slow down a little bit. Because one of the things that's so clear in the Bible and in the book of Acts is Jesus came to seek and save the lost. All kinds of people. All sorts of backgrounds. All sorts of struggles. Last night, Mary, my wife, shared this quote uh, to me uh, from Instagram by Ed Welch. I love it. It says, The gist of the biblical story is that the Lord has a huge soft spot for those who are not accepted by others, who are different and who don't quite measure up. Bible in encapsulated form. The Lord has a huge soft spot for those who are not accepted by others, who don't quite fit in anywhere, who are different and who don't quite measure up. See, for, a, for Peter and his Jewish friends, they they didn't have a category for how messy the church was supposed to be. So this event that happened was just earth-shattering for Peter. It was paradigm-shifting for Peter and his friends. But it was in keeping with what Jesus told them to do, to preach the gospel to all nations, to all kinds of people, and that would include a whole bunch of people that have messy backgrounds, that don't quite fit in anywhere, who have all kinds of struggles with sin and and all sorts of consequences because of that. And the church, the early church, was to engage the broken world with the good news of Jesus. And we're to do the exact same thing. Some people say that Luke, the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts, is really an author that's emphasizing the Holy Spirit. So if you're reading the book of Luke and the book of Acts, you can just circle every time, underline, highlight, every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in both books. And it's mentioned numerous times. He's he's trying to get our attention on something that centers around the Holy Spirit and ultimately Jesus himself. So look at verse 44 again. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So at Cornelius' house was his family, his friends, probably some other soldiers. He packed the house to hear what Peter had to say. And by the sounds of it, all of them were born again. All of them encountered the living God and were saved. And Peter was amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on Brian Welch the guitarist for corn, even on you and me. See, we're, we're Gentiles. Unless you are Jewish, which you would be the minority in this room, we are all part of this grand story. We were all folded in 
to God's people through Jesus Christ going to the Gentiles. But here's where I want it to slow down a little bit. Because I want you to know and really understand that if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are inhabiting the the Holy Spirit. He's inhabiting you. He's inside of you. So to become a Christian isn't just to, to kind of pick a new group of people and start doing certain things and quit doing other things. That, that's certainly a part of it. But the Holy Spirit plays a huge part of what has happened inside of you. And I want to underscore that with reading several verses. This is Titus 3. See if you can't relate to this. I can totally relate to this passage. For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. That was my pre-Christian years. Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. You can throw that part in too. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the Holy Spirit taking your heart of stone and making it a heart of flesh, making it soft and pliable. That's something the Lord did inside of you, not something you could do in and of yourself, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the moment you trusted in Christ, God's Spirit came inside of you and made you new, made you brand new. No matter how you felt, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you turn from your sins and trusted in Him, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And verse 7 says, And being justified by His grace, meaning declared righteous, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, I wanted John Piper in those pictures because I think if you know who John Piper is, he's a pretty famous author and pastor. I think most of us think, yeah, the Holy Spirit lives in him. But if you didn't know some of the other people, Alice Cooper, not in Kiss, um, you probably wouldn't think the Holy Spirit lives in him. See, anyone and everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ has been born again, has been made alive, has the Spirit living inside of them. Now, here's the wild thing. The day that Brian Welch became a Christian, he would have looked in the mirror and, and saw the exact same thing that we just saw. But what also was happening is his inside, his spiritual being was made alive. And it's like if you, if you buy a, a rundown farmhouse and you renovate it, but you don't, you don't work on the outside first. You, you gut the whole thing. You take it down to the studs. There's new plumbing. There's new electric. There's new heaters and furnaces, and, and everything is brand new. But if we're just driving by, we think, oh, that's the old farmhouse that's been there for the last 90 years. What we don't know is an entire renovation project has begun on the inside. See, that is true of you. No matter how messy your Christian life is, if you've trusted in Christ, this massive renovation project began 
and will continue until the day you die or the Lord returns. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, it's an incredible love, even when we were dead in trespasses, we were spiritually flatlined. He made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. So you think of in a hospital room when, when, the, when the heart monitor goes flat. Somebody is dead. There's no life in them. That was our spiritual condition because of original sin. And then God's Spirit comes inside of us and He makes us alive. It's an incredible reality. And that is true of every single one of you who has trusted in Christ. Here's another way the Apostle Paul describes it. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We often think about the second part and like what we should do and how we should act and what we shouldn't do with our body. And that's a right thing as disciples of Jesus. But we don't want to miss verse 19. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. God dwells in you. God dwells in you. No matter what your past was like, no matter how wicked and dark and deep you went in sin, when you trusted in Jesus as your substitute, he paid for all your sins, he washed you clean, took it down to the studs, and made, it, made you new, began to change you and renovate you. And he is so committed to your renovation. Why did he do that? Paul tells us in Galatians 3, Says he who supplied the Spirit to you. So he makes us alive and then he regularly fills us. We're to be filled over and over again with God's Holy Spirit. Does he do that and work miracles among you? Does he do that so by works of the law? Do he do that because you've, you've been fairly obedient? Or by hearing with faith? It's a rhetorical question. Paul's saying the moment you trusted in Christ, you became a dwelling place for God, for the Holy Spirit. And it's because of what Christ has done for you. And push on this just a little bit more. Jesus said this in John 4. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. He was talking to the woman at the well who had, had she had five marriages that didn't work out. She was living with a man who was not her husband, um, It's not a stretch from the passage to say she was looking for satisfaction in relationships and it wasn't satisfying. And she was getting water at the well at high noon because she was ashamed of her sin. And so she probably had her head down. She's probably walking up to the well, hottest point of the day, and Jesus is there. And Jesus says this to her. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him or in her a spring of water welling up into eternal life. See, Jesus made possible for the Holy Spirit to come in us that we could be satisfied, that we could be overwhelmed 
with spiritual vitality and spiritual life. Let's make this really simple. Is change possible for a Christian? Is it possible to grow and change? You can answer that question if you want. Is that possible? Absolutely. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism in his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. God's Spirit comes inside of us so that we can walk in newness of life, so we can be different. If you are from a long line of angry people, dad was angry, mom was angry, no comparison to how angry grandpa was, or great-grandpa, or great-great-great-grandpa, and you think this is just the, the curse of your last name, or let's say alcohol and other drug dependency, it's just the curse of your last name. That is not God's will for you if you have trusted in Christ. He's going to make all things new. You might have some family trait temptations, but you don't have to give in to them. There's new life that will go beyond your personality and your preferences. And so as Peter is preaching to Cornelius, all these realities are happening, and the Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit. There's a free gift to any and all who trust in Christ. Second point. The good news of Jesus is to be offered to all without distinction. We should not be the judge of who's going to receive Christ and who won't receive Christ. We cannot be the judge. So we are to offer the good news without distinction. Do not make a judgment based on what somebody looks like or acts like, and then think, well, you know, I, I don't think they're, they're suited for a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not ours to judge. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, the messy, the broken, the hurt, the ashamed, the guilt-ridden, the worst of the worst. Look at um, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Word traveled fast. So they're 30 miles north. You you get there by foot, maybe a horse if you're wealthy. But news isn't traveling like it travels for us. There's no internet. There's no social media. There's not even a rotary phone. There's nothing. And so this was a Big deal, and it spread like wildfire. But sadly, not everyone thought it was a good thing. Look at verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. This is most likely Jewish Christians who thought that you could trust in Jesus, but you had to keep the Jewish laws. And they criticized him. Verse 3. You, Peter, the apostle, went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. How dare you go to those unclean, defiled people?
people. It's not there. I'm just adding that part. But that's how they would have felt. It would have just felt dirty and wrong. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. See, this good news of Jesus Christ living a perfect life, dying on the cross, rising from the grave, it's one of of two things. It either seems like total nonsense or it's your lifeline. It's either this is ridiculous and foolish or this is the only hope I have. And for a Christian, we understand that our eyes have been opened. This is the only hope we have. But see, the disciples, not to be too hard on them, they were fuzzy in their understanding. They understood that they really were to share the gospel. But they, they kept adding different things to it. And, and we, we, we're not Jewish, so we're not tempted to judge somebody if they have a Baconator. Um, like my son had one yesterday at, at Wendy's. They advertise it has six pieces of bacon on it. It's a, it's a solid cheeseburger, double, with bacon, lots of bacon. I wasn't thinking, Adam, you, there's no way you're going to trust in Jesus Christ now. Never even crossed my mind, okay, because I'm not Jewish. So we grew up eating bacon. I love bacon, and, and so does he. Um, but see, I think we have our own criteria. So that's one of the reasons I keep going back to Brian Welch. I, I think we've got to be really careful with outward appearance. He didn't just have like a little dolphin tattoo, if you didn't notice. Um, he had tattoos everywhere, head to toe. And there's a number of you in this room that have tattoos. Maybe not head to toe, but you have them a fair amount. We don't want you to feel second class because of that. We want you to be welcomed here and fully know that Jesus loves you and accepts you, not because of your outward appearance, but because of what Christ has done for you. See, if you understand the gospel, really get it, you're not going to trip all over things like tattoos, piercings, plugs, that's the big things in your ears, um, certain clothing styles, those kind of things. We, we don't want to make the mistake of this Jewish group that said, oh, okay, maybe you could trust in Jesus, but you got to look like us before you can do that. That's not right. See, our standard often, if we're honest, as Christians, is not often real biblical. It's like, well, if they look sort of like me, then, then we're good. If they do the things that I do and don't do the things that I do, then we're, we're good. So, things like, liberal political affiliation, or conservative political affiliation. We don't want people to stumble over those for Jesus Christ. Um, If you have any racial bias at all, it is sinful and is wrong. More likely, many of us have more cultural bias that are, are just things that we think should be done a certain way and not done a certain way, but aren't biblical ideas at all. Uh. People with criminal records. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That includes those of you who have been in prison, jail, and house arrest, and, and all of that. See, we don't want to make distinctions where Jesus doesn't. 
Now, so there's not misunderstanding. I, I can hear some of you inside of your head. Can't really, but I can imagine. Um, well, you're saying people can just do whatever they want and it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying the entry point into being a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit is faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. It's not changing your wardrobe. It's not covering up your tattoos. It's not cutting your hair. It's not doing whatever. It's not taking um, a political sticker off your car. Though at times that could be a good idea either way. Just saying. It, people trip over it all the time. Um, views on education. It, it's, there's not rights and wrongs there. You are a parent and you get to, to choose that. That's one of the beautiful things about our country. But you don't want to make one the Christian way and every other way the, the wrong way. I think you get what I'm saying, that we don't want to make the mistake that these men made. And I'm going to have you do this on your own just for time's sake. But in verses 4 through 18, what Peter does, or what Luke does, quoting Peter, he actually recounts the entire events of his interactions with Cornelius. He repeats the exact same story with a few more details that he also wrote in Acts 10. So Luke didn't make a mistake, but he basically writes the same account twice within one chapter of another, under the inspiration of the Spirit. Why would he do that? Well, he would do that because he really wants us to get this, to understand how important the free gift of Jesus Christ is to all who trust in him. Without distinction. Repetition is something we need to pay attention to in the Bible. I had a cross-country coach. Um, when he didn't know your name, his name is Coach Klingler, he would call you Buck. And, and so he called everybody Buck because he couldn't remember anything. But he was a great guy. And one of the things he said almost every single practice that stuck with me now 30, almost 30 years later is he said a phrase, look at the donut, not at the hole. Look at the donut, not at the hole. Look at the donut, not at the hole. Meaning, if you have a donut, like a donut, look at what's there, not that, that little hole in the middle that nothing's there. Focus on what is there. So he would repeat that, just to pound that in our minds as runners. Focus on the positive. The Christianized version of that is, remember, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And one day, there are going to be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And we get to play a part in that. We're going to be in that scene, and we also get to share the good news of Jesus Christ with any and all. Next Sunday, you're going to hear from a couple that is about to relocate to Indonesia, particularly to reach an unreached people group. And they're doing it because they believe the gospel is for all, without distinction. And they want to go boldly where the gospel has not yet been proclaimed. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're just going to end this morning, and then we're going to celebrate with the marshals. So the band doesn't have to come up. Let me just pray. And if I could have the prayer team come up, if you would like prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Father, we just thank you for the gift of salvation, for the good news of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that we would not ever, ever stop marveling at the fact that we are the dwelling place of God.
if we are Christians. And Lord, we pray that we would continue to share the gospel boldly, clearly, and watch you work and save. And Lord, we just thank you for calling Dave Marshall to be a part of this pastoral team and his family to be a part of the church for so many years. And we pray that today be one where they just are encouraged and build up and strengthened. Thank you for the cheesecake we're about to eat, and we ask all this in your name. Amen.